It's the action, point no relaxing Straight from off the rails with your host, Mr. Patrick Show we attack, then defend and react Calculate the damage, then resolve in a snap Facts with this searing ember blade, leave no witnesses I just closed the combat chain and we winning this Listen, this the blaze, we ain't going scar for scar And I'm feeling like a hero, we ain't going call for card It's the action, point no relaxing Welcome back to the Action Point. I'm your host, Patrick Shaw, bringing you the best interviews in flesh and blood. Today, we have a man who quickly became the must-have guest in uh, in the Fab Pod space. He is 104 in Constructed Elo and 61st in Limited Elo. Holy crap, Easton. Uh, that is uh, pretty elite stuff. Easton Douglas of Team Ascent with us on the Action Point. Easton, thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, honestly, I, I hate to hear you list out my my elo like that. The, the, the swings are are big in this game, you know. I, I was once, uh, you know, top thirty or so in both of those, but you know, one bad tournament, whew, man, you <laughs> dropped pretty hard. But uh, still happy to be fighting with the best of them. Well, you know what? I wrote that down thing that was very impressive and as a highlight. Uh, but I suppose all things are relative uh, here. Uh, but uh, you know, first thing is first. So you. You put yourself out there. You you went in the Twitter space. You said I have, uh, you know, I have something unique to bring to uh, to Fab to the discourse, and I want to bring it out there. And so, uh, like we were talking just before we started recording, kind of jumped on that. I can appreciate that for sure. Um, but uh, let's let's tell the people uh, uh, who you are, what brought you into Flesh and Blood, and uh, drop some of those stats for us. Sure, yeah. So, um, like you said, kind of reached out to the community. Um, it's really just a matter of I want to be more kind of in there talking about the game with the community, getting to know some of the awesome people. Uh, I've met so many incredible people playing this game so far uh, in just such a short amount of time, and I want to kind of expand that even more and just have good conversations about Flesh and Blood with really passionate people about the game. Um, yeah, in terms of um, my accomplishments within the game so far, uh, I did top eight U.S. Nationals, um, uh, the second one. Uh, that was really cool. That was my kind of big uh, sort of claim to fame. Quickly dispatched in the quarterfinals to uh, the um, the tank dash that uh, Jacob Baugh brought. Um, but that was just an awesome experience. Um, yeah, I uh, got top Top 32 in uh, PT2, uh, got 36th place in PT1, so pretty consistent performances there. Um, finals appearance in a, in a Battle Hardened, uh, semi-finals appearance in another Battle Hardened. Uh, it was a really good year, I was really happy with my results. I kind of fell off a little bit uh, in Worlds. I did make Day 2 with an XM2 record, and I was pretty happy about that. Um, but then... Uh, both the draft and my blitz rounds did not go really great, and hence why uh, you see the, the the drop in my elo, which is you know uh, tough to see, but uh, whatever you know the results will speak for themselves, and uh, I, I hope to have a really good year in 2023. Excellent. Now you have how many PTIs have you accumulated uh, over? Over this Three. Time. Yeah, I, I I wish it was four. I wish I had. Uh, I, I was so disappointed when I got 36th place at PT1. Just barely didn't break right, that threshold. The cut there. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. True. So, um, but no, I'm, I'm proud of the three uh, PTIs that I have earned. Excellent. Uh, so, Easton, you're 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 an elite player on your own, but you are part of uh, a team ascent. 
the team is re- easily recognizable in events with your colorful jer- jerseys, but Team Ascent isn't usually talked to in the same conversation as high-profile teams like Team Dragon Shield and the Wolfpack. If you could, let's peel back the curtain on Team Ascent. Tell us about the team, uh, how it formed, and the and the members in it. Sure. Uh, well, so first of all, we're getting a jersey update, and instead mm-hmm. of big flashy jerseys, it's going to be something kind of like this. Uh, a little bit more scaled back. We do have a new sponsor now in Mid-Max Games, uh, which we couldn't be more thrilled about. Um, and with that comes some new jerseys. So look out for a little less flashy, maybe a little bit more kind of you know reserved and uh, and classy. I'd like to say, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, Team Ascent, uh, it's been an awesome experience uh, from the start. The founding members of Team Ascent were Nick Bova, who's now our team captain, uh, Chris Bromit. Um, Nick Zimmerman, those three, they were really big in like the Lightseekers game. I don't know if you know anything about that game, but they were some of the, like the the, no. the best. Best. I don't either, so don't ask. Okay, me okay. all right. So I was like, you know up. what? It, it, it's funny not to cut you off, but you no, know, one, one of the things in the last year of of meeting people and interviewing them is like where where they're coming from, and it's always different games. Uh, but Lightseeker is one that I have never heard of uh, a lot of yeah, legend of legend of five rings some starcraft <laughs> yep, uh, yep, things of that yep. nature but that's a new one well they were like uh they were like three of the best players in that game uh that one did not survive as a tcg unfortunately as so many have kind of fallen by the wayside um but so they were three of the members um and then we had john sidek um who top aided the first u.s nationals uh super that's talented a, player sounds very familiar that guy, that guy is super talented. Uh, we, we're we're just kind of hoping and anticipating his return to the game. Mm-hmm. He's been taking some time off, um, but if he does, he's gonna take it all by storm. Um, yeah, Ian Carico, um, Michael Lau, who is uh, who's Josh Lau's brother, um, and myself. So we were kind of like the founding members um, that kind of created the team and the name and whatnot. Um, and then over the course of time, we've picked up all these incredibly talented people. Um, people like. Mo Bogsley, um, Dagan White, Brian Lawrence, um, lots of awesome locals in the Colorado scene that are kind of up and coming. You might not know their names right now, but you will in the future. Um, and most recently, we had this merger with MinMax Games, and we picked up several more players there. Um, and I really couldn't be happier with the roster that we have right now. I think we have like um, 10 active, neighbor, uh, 10 active um, players, and then like two more in the wings. Um, that are not actively playing right now, but super talented. And um, uh, when we're testing and when we're talking about the game, uh, I feel like there's a lot of growth. Um, uh, and everyone has a lot to offer. Um, everyone specializes in different heroes. Um, and, I, I, yeah, I'm just really excited to see how Ascent will kind of perform this year. And I expect that by the end of 2023, we will be more in kind of the public consciousness than we are right now. Excellent, excellent. And that that was a very uh, well-thought-out uh introduction to the team uh now uh based on their own comments i would like you to rank their attractiveness uh if you could in descending order oh man you know that's uh uh really throwing the hard-hitting questions at me huh this is what Uh, this is what you get when you join the action point you don't you don't have to do that you don't have to do that those are some let me let me give you a, a just a little bit, okay? I, I would say at the top you got Levi's hair. Um, okay. Levi has 
glorious, wonderful hair. So that's that's the top, right? And then you have like a whole slew of beautiful human beings on the inside and out. At the very bottom, I'd say you have um, you have Mo Bogley's uh, Lightning McQueen Crocs. Yeah, that's like bottom of the barrel, right know. there. I don't know. I don't know. I've 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 been yeah. entranced by those light up Crocs uh, oh, no, walking no, around no. Take, convention take, centers. Uh, <laughs> I will say this though: if if Dagan White is wearing his uh, champion belt, mm -hmm. then he he jumps to the top easily. Yeah, not not even close. Hear that, Dagan? You keep the belt on, okay? Yeah. Oh, he does. He brings that to every single event. He takes that through like flight security and stuff. It's like this big, huge belt. It's awesome. Excellent. Yeah, D Dagan in particular has been uh, making some making some waves in the competitive scene lately. Uh, taking yeah. the Dev Challenge. Um, he just uh, he's been wiping the floor with Oldham. Uh, like just before just before the ban hammer came, just before, put the guide out on his on his uh, on his Patreon there. Uh, you know, Mo Bogley on the uh, in the battle hardened with uh, with Prism. Oh second yeah, place. Yeah, second place every time with that with that guy for sure. Uh, Dagan is not only a, a, an awesome teammate, a teammate, but also a bit of like a of a fat rival too. Like just mm -hmm. kind of jokingly, but um, he and I are tied for the best day one performance in uh, PT events. Okay. Um, there's uh we we both have a um have a um X and one record for uh, PT day ones. So uh, I went seven zero. And then six one at PT one and two respectively, and he did the same thing. I think in the reverse order. But um, anyway, I think there's some anticipation, at least from us, to like get to PT three, and then uh, you know basically see at the end of day one who still has like the same record. If someone else overtakes us, you know. Excellent, excellent. Uh, you speak of internal competition uh, there, and that really is that's a hell of a roster. I actually uh, in US Nats, I sat with Chris. Uh, Chris Brummett uh, on our draft opening draft table. I bombed that. I had no business being in that table, but it was uh, him and uh, Nam Vo were were at my table. And I'm like, Ooh, what the hell am I doing sure. here? No, no, uh, yeah, but the, the but Chris's one. shirt uh, uh, stood out to me at the at the yeah. time. Um, yeah, you got some killers there. Now, who is the best player on the team? Again, with the hard-hitting questions, only slightly less hard-hitting than the <laughs> the ranking of the attractiveness. You know, um, oh man, you know it's it's so hard to say. Um, you know, if you look at um, constructed Elo, for example, um, uh, I think before the the um, ProQuest season Elo changes, we had three of the top ten constructed uh, players. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and so it's really kind of easy to kind of look at one of them as one of the best players. Um, I think, uh, I, again, I had a really strong start to my season and kind of petered off a little bit towards the end. Um, I, I, know, I think you can make a really good argument for a lot of the members of the team. I, I, I'm going to go with, I'm going to, I'm going to give you an answer. I'm not going to kind of limp out right. of it and say, well, right. we're all the best. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Brian Lawrence. He He's probably even more under the radar than I am, but that guy is hyper talented um, he was, uh, he actually went, uh, traveled to Colorado, um, uh, uh, he lives in California now, I forget where he lived before, I think he recently moved. Regardless, he mm -hmm. traveled to Colorado during ProQuest Season 1, uh, 2, sorry, ProQuest Season 2, and he was just, um, wreaking havoc. Um, he was just, like, uh, crushing that scene, we were all kind of looking at him like, oh, wow, this guy's kind of crazy good at this game. He was just crushing with Chain, he brought Viscerai, I believe, to PT... 
uh, to did awesome with that. Runeblade expert recently switched to Icelander, and that guy just doesn't lose with that hero. Um, mm. The best Icelanders are so intimidating. Um, I, I I think I've had uh, I've been the most impressed um, playing against him compared to really anybody else, and I think he's going to have a, another breakout year as well. You know, it's like the more names you drop there, it's it's. Uh, uh... It does seem like, like you know, there are some really well-known uh, names there. I don't think they're necessarily uh, the first thing that comes to mind is the tie to uh, to Team Ascent, but you definitely have uh, you see you got a bunch of killers on there. That's uh, that's fantastic. Uh, Lawrence is a name that I I do hear uh, a lot uh, when you're talking about uh, you know top eighting of uh, on these events here. Um, yeah, I think he's currently top fifteen constructed Elo right now. Top eighted um, uh, U.S. Nationals along with me. Yeah. Um, uh, just great performance. Is constantly in the top thirty-two of these events. Yeah. Uh, now you uh, you showed off your min-max games uh, hoodie. Uh, the team you you had mentioned is uh, newly sponsored by min-max games, a, a a staple in the community at, at this point. What is uh, what's the relationship like with uh, Team Ascent and min-max games these days? Yeah, so it's very new. Um, we only recently um, got sponsored by them. We couldn't be more excited to be sponsored by them. Um, and so far, our experience has been amazing. Um, we had kind of our first event where we got to interact with them as our sponsors um, at uh, Indy. And, man, they were just, they were so kind and accommodating. And anything we needed, they they threw it all at us. I mean, we got there, we were like, hey, just came here to meet you, and they're like, here's a playmat, here's a hoodie, you know, here's these sleeves, you know, what do you need? Like, do you need cards for your deck? I was like, I need this one last foil to finish out foiling out my Lexi deck. Uh, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I got you, just hand it to me. She's just uh, really, really awesome. Uh, and But, uh, you know, that's kind of one thing, the kind of perks of it is one thing, but just as as partners and as people who are working with and, and helping to grow our brand, as we can hopefully help grow theirs, um, it's been a complete joy, and I can't wait to continue with that partnership. Excellent, excellent. Um, going back to kind of the competitive aspect of the team, I'm always interested in a team's testing routine. Uh, how how do you personally and the team uh, get ready for the next big event? Yeah, so we're not super regimented uh, in that we are we have expectations every single week um, to like do testing and whatnot. A lot of our uh, players prefer in paper testing anyway, and we're kind of scattered around. Mm -hmm. um, but as as we ramp up to like a bigger bigger event, then there's going to be um, a sequential ramp up in our testing, uh, and then it becomes very active. A lot of discourse back and forth. We get uh, we have like a little notification that pings us uh, at twelve. 12 p.m. every day saying, hey, who wants to test tonight? We either say yes or no, and then um, that way we kind of have a plan every single evening, look at who says yes, and they kind of link up and, and mm -hmm. jam some games against each other. Um, a lot of it comes down to, like, reporting back um, the results of the games and, like, what mattered in those games, what really, what can we kind of like, take away from this and, and really improve as opposed to just, like, uh, at the end of it, it was 3-2 in favor of Oldham or whatever. It uh, doesn't speak a lot, um, but if you can kind of narrow down, like, this is what mattered in the matchup, this is what he did to really um, kind of move the needle in the matchup after losing game one, or things like that, uh, takeaways that you can kind of take and apply is, I think, where we've been thriving the most. Uh, do you, um, when, you, when you're starting to ramp up for these events, do you, do you as a team feel... Uh, 
feel the pressure to kind of uh, show results and show that you can can be in that conversation with uh, you know the Tareks and Matt Rogers and Team Dragon Shields and you know the Zach Buns and Hamiltons of of the Wolfpack, etc. I think anybody who tries to become competitive in any card game has that fire inside of them, has that kind of desire to show results. Um, and and equally, when you don't have a great performance, I think it can really sting. Uh, I, I think that um, in a perfect world with perfect mindsets, you can sort of just step outside of that and say, this is just kind of a growth thing. And uh, if you look at each game and each tournament as kind of a learning experience and you really focus on like growing from it, I think in the long run you're going to be really rewarded um, by not sort of hyper-focusing on the results. But it can be tough when, like, there's not a lot of events. And I think we see that a little bit right now where there's not a lot of big events. I mean, there's one PT. If you screw up this one PT, you know, that's your one PT for the year. Maybe Worlds. Um, but there's not a lot. Uh, and so I, I definitely would like to see more of that because I think the more competitive events that uh, there are, the more of an opportunity there is to um, sort of fail in one but but succeed in the long run because you learn from your failure whereas in this game is is kind of right now it feels like man this is i gotta i gotta nail this event otherwise there's nothing really else um so i've always kind of been in the mindset of of um you know the results will speak for themselves um and they will come as long as i do the work if i try to rush it and i try to force it and i try to mentally put too much weight on myself then it's only going to be a detriment to me but if i just focus on like if I if I do this the right way and I follow the right path and I try to learn from all my losses and I don't hyper focus on them, but I learn from them, then eventually that will manifest itself in results and I'll just have that tournament where I feel a little bit unlocked. Um, but I can't speed run to there, you know. I can't I can't race to the finish line. That's not how these things work. So, mm-hmm. um, are you are you a, a one hero? kind of guy or do you uh, do you select uh, select them as the meta dictates or uh what do you like if you were if you were playing tomorrow what would you what would you be picking up uh i've been playing a lot of lexi recently um i played a lot of dash during ProQuest season and i was really happy with it before the bands now i'm a little bit less happy with dash uh, mm-hmm. i think um that she lost a lot of her good matchups um or you know, the percentage of her good matchups is a little bit less than it used to be, and that really uh, kind of moves the needle for me. Um, but Lexi, Lexi's really cool because Lexi kind of has the plan for everything. Um, the kind of more fatigue matchups and Guardians and maybe Drumai, these can be tough matchups, but none of them are like auto losses. You're so favored against uh, the aggro field. You have so much control over your game, uh, and so I, I'm I'm really interested in Lexi right now. But I like Guardian, I like Ranger, um, I like Mechanologist. I've played all the heroes at least once, and and many of them much more. Um, but I tend to focus on one to three or so that I kind of have in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, like for instance, with Indy, I was playing I was planning on playing Dash up until two days before, but I just uh, I just wasn't liking the Briar matchup. I didn't feel like there was a ton I could do to improve that, and so I kind of audibled last minute to Lexi, which I hate to do. I think you should really. Mm-hmm. Pick a deck and stick to it for a long time. This is the first event in a while where I didn't lock it in like weeks in advance. But um, it's it's good to have at least a few in your back pocket. So as the ebb and flow of the the meta kind of changes, you can sort of audible like that. Now, did you have Lexi like with you on you, or was that like a serious uh, two days before I am 
scrapping everything, and now I've got to find out where I can get a couple, three of them. I haven't worked on Lexi uh, in a long time. Uh, luckily, we have this awesome uh, local named Michael Kaywood, and he's one of the most talented Lexis in the world, I believe. Uh, he's won two pro quests with the hero. He actually defeated me in this last pro quest season. I was on dash, and he was able to to take take that game. Actually, it was super epic. I set up a um, magnetic shockwave to kill his New Horizon, and he like. Uh, but he had kind of a life lead, and he came back and kept his composure even after losing basically his hero power and won that game. He's super talented, so I, I pestered him with a million questions uh, on kind of what is Lexi doing in this meta, and then I kind of combined that with my knowledge that I had built because I did play Lexi in uh, in Pro Tour two, uh, mm-hmm. and I kind of combined that with that knowledge and came upon a list that I think was pretty good, and it got me to a, an eight and four record. Um, I think if I had been on that list a little bit more, I think I could have easily turned two of those losses into a win um, and been able to top eight Indy. Um, as it stands, I was pretty happy with my performance after a last minute change. Awesome. Excellent. Uh, all right. You've you you've got some interesting thoughts on Flesh and Blood, and I want to hear them. Uh, so we're going to rewind uh, to kind of catch up on, on what your thoughts are on the, the happenings in the last uh, month or so here. So let's rewind to the Band in Suspended announcement. Mm-hmm. What was your assessment of the meta and uh, before the Band in Suspended announcement? What you thought, uh, what did you think was needed? And uh, when the announcement came out, what were your thoughts on uh, what was banned versus what you would have liked to see? I think it's pretty hard before the bans to argue that any deck other than Icelander was the best deck. I think it was just like, uh, at that point, pretty clear that it was just doing this whole kind of fat math thing better than anyone else. Um, the ability to have really, really good math in your card pool while also being able to have the flexibility of express that math through multiple turn cycles where, where a single arsenal can represent so much damage and the ability to play good math on both turns, uh, there's really nothing like it, especially when it interacts so heavily with the opponent and you can kind of get them if you outplay them. Um, so I definitely felt like Icelander needed a big hit. Uh, I felt like Old Dim and Phi were also two of the strongest decks. Uh, I actually think Dash was one of the strongest decks uh, before because Dash was favored into Icelander and Old Him. Um, and uh, was pretty close to 50-50 against Vi, and so that's why I was so excited to be on Dash for Indy, but then the bands kind of totally changed that for me. Um, and uh, I guess if we're just looking one by one, um, Emulet device, whatever, I, I don't know. It, it was it was a fine thing to hit. Uh, I, I don't feel super strongly about it. Hypothermia, great card to hit. Um, Icelander needs to be weak into certain matchups, and the decks that were most posed to uh, poised to be good into Icelander were Dash and Dromai, and Hypothermia was an awesome tool against both of them. Um, Icelander was also a little bit overkill good against decks like Briar, and so removing a tool in that matchup also kind of levels the playing field. Now I think that Dash truly checks Icelander, which is... Uh, it, it's nice that Icelander ha- at least has one kind of, like, legitimately bad matchup. I don't know if I believe that Dromai is actually bad for Icelander because you talk to good Icelanders and they're just like, yeah, I'm like 10-0 against Dromai. So I don't know. I feel like it's probably very skill-intensive, um, but maybe not as bad as people make it out to be. Um, uh, Belittle, I hate that ban. Uh, I really hate that ban. Uh, 
I think especially when you keep Channel Lake Frigid. Uh, mm-hmm. Channel Lake Frigid was kind of top of my list as a card you could sure. um, take that hits both Oldham and Icelander, which I think both deserve to be hit uh, a little bit. Um, and uh, But you keep that and you like take away Belittle. I don't know. Belittle's really cool. Belittle is the kind of effect that I want to see more of in this game. And instead of adding more, oh. they remove the only one. Uh, if you add more, then you don't get as much kind of homogenization in the in the game, uh, where everyone's just running their three power threats. Um, you add more effects like that, where you can actually create these really big um, hands, or just like put cardboard into your hand. Like, it doesn't matter what the cardboard says. If you can put a ham sandwich in your hand, and it represents a card, then you can do things with that. You can tuck it with E strike. You can whatever. You can use that as your pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I think that was terrible. Uh, I, would, I just I love that card, and I think I would love to see more cards like it. Um, uh, was that it? Oh, Winter's Whale, probably the most yep, relevant Winter, one. Winter's Whale, too, yep. Uh, I'm an old main, uh, and when I first started playing the game, I was like, it was like two weeks before Tales of Aria hit, and I saw old, and I was like, yep, that's the one for me. And then I played him early when no one thought he was good, even though he was. Uh, and uh, I have played him ever since, only recently kind of moved off him um, onto Dash. And man, I'm not incentivized to go back with Winter's Will gone. I, I love that card, and uh, I don't know if I could stomach it. I don't know if I could stomach looking at that Titan's Fist and being like, yeah, I guess I'll come in for three. The first time that happens, I'm just, I'm off it, you know? The uh, the Uber fatigue plan doesn't, uh, doesn't appeal to you uh, right now. The life gain... Uh, stall out uh, archetype isn't isn't your your jam. Oh no, definitely not. That deck is not flexible. Um, no. You look at that deck and people, everyone's like stressed about it. I, I think people will look back on this time in Flesh and Blood and they'll be like, oh yeah, that's the time that aggro players learn how to be good at aggro and learn how to damage stack and learn how to be able to take advantage of these deck lists like Oldham that are they're so exploitable um that that can only play one way there's no flexibility with the cards and so for a tournament you look at um dunn's list that he brought and congratulations to him he really he did the thing that everyone was maybe a little scared to do because of the clock or because winter's whale was banned or whatever reasons he did the thing that no one else could do uh, and he got rewarded for a second place finish um could have easily been a first um people are going to have the opportunity to test against that, and they're going to improve against Oldham, whereas Oldham, there's not a lot you can do. I mean, you can make some different choices here and there with your deck list, and you can definitely optimize. I believe Charles Dunn played pretty optimally that whole weekend, and um, I think people are going to get a lot better against it, and they're going to learn how to exploit that, and I think we're going to see that fatigue Oldham drop off. I've been wrong before, but that's what I predict. Um, I, do, I do want to... Uh go back real quickly to uh, something that you had mentioned. Now, I know there's a lot, there are a lot of uh, competitive-minded people that'll be watching this. Also, people in the beginning, uh, in the beginning stages, you mentioned damage stacking. Um, yeah. Now, help help me define what damage stacking is as it relates to, uh, to what you're doing in the game and, and pitch stacking and uh, uh, things of that nature. Sure. So, uh, at a baseline, in this game, you draw four cards a turn, and you can look at those four cards and you can say, I'm going to put them together in X, Y, and Z way, and I'm going to acquire a 12 damage, 13 damage, 14 damage turn out of it. Um, And you can 
do that and then you can draw it back up to four and you can run that play back and you can do that all the way until you're fatigued or they're dead mm-hmm. um or you're dead <laughs> uh, uh or they're fatigued who knows anything can happen but um decks like oldem where you have the power of crown of seeds and on any given turn cycle between equipment blocks and being able to crown plus shield to be able to block extra damage with your arsenal d-reacts all these things can help oldem get to about the 12 to 15 prevention um kind of level and oldham's not getting fatigued by almost anything um and so if you play hand to hand and you're just kind of presenting even upwards of 16 damage you look at redline briar days they're just very consistent 16 16 16 16 even back then i was on oldham and i was fatiguing briars because um well you know maybe i wouldn't have if people were better at damage stacking which is basically using tools like um permanence your arsenal and the power of pitch stacking to set up omega turns, um, or whatever you want to call it. Turns that really go beyond that 12 to 16 damage uh, life threshold, um, and get into the ranges of, I mean, you can get as high as, I was playing a, a game as Lexi the other day, and I pitch stacked a double three of a kind, double rain razors, double art of war turn against Oldham to finish him off, and uh, it was a 42 damage turn. Um, and you can do that uh, pretty pretty easily through just pitch stacking. If all they're doing is sitting back and saying block, 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 then yeah. you say, cool, I'm going to like attack with some of my blues here and there in first cycle. I'm going to play an E-pot here. I'm going to be pitch stacking these crazy cards. And then, you know, you track it. You get it set up with your arsenal. And then you do some sort of crazy power over the top thing. And there's nothing they can really do to stop that. Um, hypothermia, something, that a tool they don't have anymore. Mm-hmm. Ice React can try to prevent it. They have some tools, but... There are ways that you can, again, utilize your arsenal to create five-card hands, utilize pitch stacking to create sculpted five-card hands, mm-hmm. um, and you can even hold cards at the end of your turn to uh, sculpt that way. It's less efficient and it's hard to do it, um, but uh, there's a lot of ways that you can kind of, depending on what, what aggro deck you are, that you can kind of, um, uh, I don't know, raise your damage output and basically do this with your damage output. Like your off turns, mm-hmm. you're trying to present somewhere around like, nine or so where the best they can do is if they take zero damage come back with a winter's whale well these days oh you know an ever warm hammer mm-hmm. uh which isn't going to do much <laughs> uh but but you keep them off of like things like cnc and and spinal crush and things like that you want to make sure you punish those so if they're gonna if they're gonna buy those cards with their life total they're going to do so and take three to six damage on your off turns mm-hmm. um and then you can use that damage that you confirmed to your advantage uh to get get up to that 40 damage um life life total threshold i'm getting a little lost in the weeds here but yep, the point yep. is like like you're, you're doing this with your damage threshold uh, with your yep. damage output the highs you're converting a lot the lows you're you're not getting too low so they can't buy a big turn yeah um thank you uh, yeah sorry uh, for that one. no no no. The top, but yeah. <laughs> you're, no you're good you're good um uh bringing it back to uh to the band suspended now that uh, the dust has had a chance to settle uh you mentioned that you hated the belittle uh, uh the belittle band but had, is the meta in a good place right now uh post post ban or is there is there more to be done yeah i th- i say it's really early uh i think the the bands were a little heavy-handed we hadn't seen a whole lot i, I think you could you could have taken down Icelander a peg and then not much else and just kind of see where the dust settles mm-hmm. because we don't have a lot of these competitive events. Like we don't have an opportunity to test stuff and as much as people want to point to five oldums in the top eight of Indy and say, this is indicative of a bad meta. 
that just doesn't tell the full story whatsoever. Uh, things break a little bit different in those final rounds, and we could have had almost zero Oldhams just as easily. Um, and and you gotta you gotta in a game like this where you have so many tools to counter uh, act some of the powerful things happening in the format, you gotta give it time to evolve a little bit. So I, I hope they are not going to be super kind of van happy uh, moving forward. I would like to see a little bit less uh, action taken. Give the format a little bit time to play out. Um, and, and I mean, if you're going to have this living legend kind of thing um, kind of looming over, it doesn't really make sense to, like, as soon as something gets a little bit too fat powerful, like, pull it back a little bit. Like, let it get there naturally or don't have the living legend format uh, or um, um, rule sets where things right. do expire when they have too many wins. Um, but... Yeah, I guess that would be some of my general feelings. Well, what about you? What, what do you, what do you think about the bands? Do you agree with kind of some of my sentiments, or do you have any places where you kind of disagree? Um, you know, I think Phi took too big of a hit. Um, I do think I don't. I have been, I have been on the band belittle uh, train for. Okay. okay. I think I think actually probably for for about a year at this point. Okay. Um, my biggest gripe was that it was it's the best card in every aggro deck. Uh, and it kills me that we got, uh, especially in Phi, I'm a, I'm a huge, I'm a flavor guy, right? I want, uh, I want my Draconic Ninja to have a bunch of Draconic Ninja cards in it and have fun playing, playing that. And then, uh, you get, uh, you know, you get your Katsu, uh, Briar to, to an extent, uh, depending on the archetype in Phi, um, your best card is a little mean guy that grabs a resource card. That's, you know, it's a generic and, and that always <laughs> just like bothered me. Yeah. And, uh, I do believe that there was some, uh, homogenization, uh, homogenization of what an aggro deck, uh, looked like and what was meant to be while belittle was there. Enter ice heroes. Yeah. Right. And I think belittle with the access to minimalism became, uh, became a necessity, and like you, I always thought that uh, Belittle Minnow and Channel Lake Frigid were on just opposite ends of the force that created the balance uh, for one another. <laughs> I've never been a huge fan of ice uh, as it is, anyways. Um, so any weapons to kind of counter that, I've always been yeah. uh, been for. So when it came down, I was not ready for it, and I don't think uh, the meta was was ready yeah. for it either and i think it was the wrong time to do the right thing i would say um yeah. i don't know in it like i'm not a big fan of ice heroes um which leads us to the next question i'm not a fan but i think that's just because i'm kind of i'm an aggro guy in general um but even <laughs> in my in my play experience uh you know, I love playing games of flesh and blood, except when I see a nice hero in front of me, because okay. <laughs> I've never been a big fan of not being able to play the game. Right? Yeah, if we go, yeah, yeah. if we go to like Magic: The Gathering, uh, like blue control and counter spells have uh -huh. like uh, a, a tangible psychological effect on your opponent. Like if you if you're there, uh, and I, I was a big commander guy, right? So I come with my big dragon deck, right? And I, I yeah. what I want to do is ramp up and play. Big dumb dragons, and that's what I think of as fun. Uh, to know that there's somebody on the other side of the table there that has uh, like a blue commander and is just waiting to basically tell you that you cannot play today is yeah. like you know that it stings. It's a knife. It's a dagger. It twists. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's and that's how I've always felt. Ice heroes. 
tread that line very uh very closely to me and it's something that i'm keeping an eye on there yeah. uh the big difference between flesh and blood, something like magic with the counter spells, though, is that there is. So I talk about the the tangible, like psychological damage that that could have. Counter spelling, saying that you cannot play, as opposed to being able to put your cards down on the play mat and say that you have you have in fact succeeded in playing these cards. Uh, and yeah. then you know something like Oldham has you know it has you know above rate defensive value, which may may negate what you're what you're doing. Uh, in another way, but it's not by saying you cannot do this right now. You you have been allowed to play your game. I am just countering it in a different way, and I think that's that's okay. Icelander with uh, multiple frostbites and Ice Lexi in particular. When you get to those, uh, like as a Katsu player, um, you know, see, facing an Ice Lexi and getting like nine frostbites. That's yeah. That's kind of where the feel bads uh, started okay. to come in in for me. So, what what is your take on ice heroes being introduced to the game and in their spot in the in their spot in the in the game in the meta long term? There's a lot to, a lot to cover with that. Um, first of all, uh, why did you have me on 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 your podcast? I'm I'm like your enemy. <laughs> like what you just described is like all the things I love about these games. Mm-hmm. Like like when I played Magic, I played Counterspell decks and I played uh, like Death and Taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, in this game, I basically play Olden, which is like the the blue white control, and then yep. Lex Ice Lex, yep. which is like the yep. Death and Taxes of this game. Yep. So you basically just described like all the things I love about the game. Uh, I, I do not want it to become a zero sum game. I I, I want it. What I want is I want cool interaction, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I, I, when I play my my counterspell deck or my ice lexi deck, uh, I you know I'm not looking to sort of like deny my opponent the satisfaction of playing the game. That's definitely not my intent. Um, what I enjoy is the um, the the kind of sense and and maybe even oftentimes illusion of control uh, mm-hmm. over the game. Uh, I think in uh, in in Flesh and Blood, there's like some pretty polarized examples of this. When you're playing Ice Lexi into an aggro deck, and Ice Lexi has like begun the ice lock, mm-hmm. it feels like you're under like you're in like this uh, this this icy prison yep. for just like turn after turn. I've had so many games against Rune Blades and uh, even Ninjas where I'm just like they never get a turn. You know, they mm-hmm. they just. I do. It's, it's I damn do. if they do, damn if they don't, you know? And I, so it's a little overkill, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I would prefer they be able to play the game. Um, what, I, what I want is I want really cool interaction because um, I, I don't like... I'm not a big aggro player because I don't like, um, you know, sitting down and being like, I'm going to optimize my damage and you're going to optimize your damage and I have to sort of mm-hmm. hope that mine is better or construct my deck in a way where it's better. Or hope that my opponent basically makes mistakes, mm-hmm. and those are kind of my avenues to victory. Um, so, uh, sometimes also winning the die roll, right? Um, th- those are that's tough for me to stomach because I, I do I, I want oftentimes the illusion of control, even just to feel like I am playing these cards that force my opponent to think about how their cards interact with mine, and not just be like take it, take it, take it. Here's my damage output. Uh, so I think in that way, ice is really good for the game. I think to some of your points and the ways that it can be bad for the game is that it can create a lot of feel bad moments for a lot of players, um, and that matters, right? Mm-hmm. Counterspell as a game design is not very good, right? Mm-hmm. I I do my thing, and the only thing that my thing does is say you can't do your thing. Like what? Right. <laughs> that that, right. o- that that really only rewards people who 
have the desire to sort of like shut people down and not um, enjoy seeing the game expressed through two decks interacting with each other. Um, and so I, I think there's a lot of ice right now. Uh, having three powerful ice heroes in the game is like pretty crazy when you look at some other heroes that are hardly represented. One mechanologist with no specialization, for example. Um, I love the design space of ice. Um, I'm very biased. I really enjoy it. Um, I would love to see more ways to interact with each other that isn't just ice interaction, because so far that's kind of revealed itself to be the best way of kind of c controlling the game or having any kind of a tempo or control strategy. So uh, I don't know if that covered all of your points, um, but uh, I apologize for, for being the bearer of, of bad news that I'm, I, I am the person you hate. I am the, the person sitting across well, the Well, he said thanks for joining the action point today yeah, here. Exactly. Well, uh, never coming back here again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think you might change your vetting process a little bit more <laughs> before you invite the next Guess, you know? I get for jumping on the first opportunity here. Uh, no, so what I would say is that uh, my, uh, my, in my opinion, the the purest expression of what flesh and blood can be in a game is a uh, any any of the four welcome to wraith heroes. If you pair mm -hmm. them together, um, there is something. Uh, there's something unique to those four heroes in particular uh, that I don't think LSS has been able to replicate since and attempted to uh, with Arachne. And I don't think they they hit the mark. Uh, they did not hit the mark with Arachne quite, uh, I think, in the way that they would have uh, liked. But I think it speaks to more to where the game is right now than necessarily uh, that hero. But if you... If you look at Reinar to a lesser extent, but things like barraging beatdown and, and uh, like pulping uh, kind of speak to kind of my point there, where um, if you look at like Bravo, Dorinthia, and Katsu, inherent in either their hero abilities or their overall game plans, they ask your opponent to engage in a decision on a on a near constant basis right the the game plans hinge on uh on interaction or being able to gain some uh, you know some incredible advantage if your opponent lets you you know kind of go through uh and do things uh especially bravo versus katsu is like my favorite matchup to, to watch to participate in on both sides to play uh but th that is one of those things where uh you know you have to uh, you have to weigh whether or not to uh, stop the katsu ability and how to block on that end, and whether or not to respect the additional buffs to that. And katsu has to respect, you know, with minimal armor, have to respect the crush effects and whether or not, you know, you know what your turn value is going to be, how many cards you're going to drop, uh, if you've sideboarded correctly and had the you know have the reactions in arsenal. But you know you if you're playing the game like optimally but both those yeah. that matchup in particular both opponents and heroes will be constantly interacting with one another and it really i think is is like a shining example of like what flesh and blood uh can be outside of the uh, yeah. Iro Welcome deck mirror match, I would say. I think you have some great points, and, and two of those points, I think that the uh, the limited format for Welcome to Wraith, I've never enjoyed limited more than, than that format. I think Bravo's a little bit too good in that limited format, but mm -hmm. otherwise, you have 
a bunch of generic, like common um, rarity uh, attack and defense reactions. Mm -hmm. Some class, some, some just generic. Um, and that makes the limited format really fun. Um, I think early on when I started playing the game and, and Katsu wasn't really that prevalent uh, and five wasn't around yet, the first time I played against Masculine Momentum, I was like, wow, this game, this card's so fun to play against. Mm -hmm. I want uh, Lynx to be banned just so uh, uh, Ninja's players have to run Mask Momentum because mm -hmm. you're right, it makes every turn interesting. Dorinthia, same thing, like this instant speed uh, interaction, it's uh, it's really quite fun, so I agree to those points. Alright, uh, moving down the uh, the list of, of hot takes here. Outsiders previews have been trickling in. There's a lot of excitement surrounding the set, drafting it, and uh, playing with some old and new heroes like my Katsu. Uh, should we be worried about the current crop of top heroes outshining whatever this set brings? What do you need to see from outsiders to get truly excited about it? Yeah, so I think a lot of the heroes like Katsu and um, Azalea and Lexi, and these heroes are kind of right on the edge of being good. Even Arachne isn't that far off. Like, it's missing a few tools, but... Um, so I think that if they print some really powerful generics for those classes, I think you could see some of those existing heroes kind of rise up. Um, so hard to make any kind of prediction of what you expect to see out of these new heroes that are printed. You really need to see like the whole card pool before you have uh, even an inkling of an idea. Um, I think, um, kind of on a previous point, the, the more I see cool ways to interact with your opponent, uh, and the cards don't just say like, put me together with other cards or other effects or your hero power or whatnot to produce high damage output. Like, turn turn me into a, a 0 for 4 or 0 for 5. Right. If a card says that, basically, tantamount to that, then I'm not as interested. There could be a little bit of that, but I want to see more cards that um, say, on hit something, or um, I want to see a lot more kind of marginal on hits. Like, yeah. on hit, just a, just, a just a little thing. Like, yeah. make you think about it. Make you think about blocking it. You might not. You probably won't. Make you think about it, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, little things like that I want to see. Um, um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking for. I I'm hoping for a really fun draft experience because uh, mm -hmm. I don't think that the last couple sets were, were really what I was looking for from this game in terms of limited. Uh, I, may I may have this written down uh, elsewhere, but uh, what is your... Favorite draft set? Is it welcome? Is it welcome to wrath? What, what is your, uh, what has been your ideal drafting experience so far? I'm not a big limited player in general, um, but I had the most fun. You're back. You're uh, back into the circle of friends. Me neither. I'm a, I'm a constructed okay. guy. Okay, cool. All right, all right. I, I got back in your good graces. I've been kind of like clawing, yeah, trying yeah. to <laughs> you got say, there. say you a got few there. things, find some common ground. You know, send an olive branch your way here and there. Uh, all right, finally got there. Um, so yeah, yeah, I. I think Limited's fine. When I played Magic, I wasn't into it either. Um, I, I think that Flesh and Blood is just like the best constructed game I've ever played, and not high on my list of Limited games so far. I do think that um, Welcome to Wraith was so... Like, uh, the first time I played that was the Return to Welcome to Wraith weekend, and I played a lot over that weekend, mm -hmm. and I had so much fun because... Like, people were just casting Stinkpolos and Razor Reflexes and Pummels and Immovables and stuff like that. And, and, and you had to care about these uh, these uh, Dorinthia on hits and things like that. Uh, there was just a lot of cool back and forth and interesting things going on. Albeit, I do think Bravo's overpowered in that format from my limited experience. Mm. But um, more of that. More attack and defense reactions. I think that's where limited can really thrive, is if you put a lot of those in, into it. 
All right, all right. The hot take is right there. More attack and defense reactions, L says. Uh, yeah, is this just all hot takes, or or or? or well, no, we gotta we some... gotta we gotta get a baseline here. It's cool. it, yeah. uh, with with. Uh, with nothing to compare it to, it's all hot takes because this is the first time we're here. Okay, about cool. It. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. We uh, we mentioned the uh, organized play schedule here uh, that just came out, and you had stated that it is uh, it is a little lacking. Uh, let's talk about that. Uh, LSS just laid out a, a bunch of updates for us for the 2023 OP season. Uh, it got mixed reviews from I think the player base. Um, Easton, are there enough events? on the schedule this year um yeah you know i I, it seems like i don't follow this stuff too closely to be honest i'm like not very organized when it comes to these events um so i'm not going to know all the specifics of which region has more which ones have less i'm sure there are going to be a lot of regions that were underrepresented and i feel really bad for for them seems like europe got a lot of uh a lot of events that's really cool to see Mm -hmm. uh in terms of for me, I just think of it as like the the big ones, right? Pro tours, nationals, and um, worlds. So last okay. year was like the the kickoff to their uh, big season, and they had two pro tours, one worlds, and one national season. Mm-hmm. Uh, this season we got that minus one PT, and that was really discouraging because um, following Magic for so long, you know, you had three or four PTs a year. Uh, during their heyday, um, and so for me, it kind of, I always thought of it as like a, a once a quarter kind of thing. Now that's overkill for a new game like this that's just kind of developing and, and growing, uh, and I can see that. But I, I think that to take a step backwards from one PT to, uh, sorry, from two PTs to one PT, mm-hmm. that was a little bit sad to see. Um, and I would love to see them up that back up to two PTs after the, uh, um, for next year. So. Uh, with the news that uh, the World Championship would be in Europe, are you uh, are you a traveler? Will, will you you mentioned you traveled to PT two? Is that uh, uh, if you if you qualify there, are you absolutely going to wherever it is in Europe? Yeah, luckily I, I have uh, a couple PTIs banged, so I, I have my qualification already for that. Um, so uh, looking forward to going to Worlds, and and I, I will definitely be going there. I love traveling. Um, actually, this guy who just joined me. Um, hopefully he doesn't yell because uh, he's quite a vocal cat. Um, but he he's old and he has some extra needs, so I can't travel as much as I'd like to. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I absolutely will make it to that. Um, I had a lot of time, a, a lot of fun touring um, uh, France, and we actually went to Brussels and Amsterdam and a few places. And uh, probably won't be able to do it as extensive, but I will definitely be there at Worlds. Excellent, excellent. Uh, obviously, you're here and not in. Auckland, New Zealand for for that calling, uh, but that is happening. Uh, that's oh, happening love this to weekend. That. Uh, yeah, I'm so yeah, jealous. A lot of a lot of friends in the game uh, playing there right now. Did you get you get a chance to look at the venue? I know that they moved things around because of the yeah. the storm, but it's like in an it's a, it's in like a traditional theater, uh, and oh the God, and the stage is the where the players are playing. But I'm so jealous. You still have I, all the I, seats I, in the back. It's great. I was my hobby growing up was was theater. I did a lot of theater in my teenage years, and so uh, yeah, definitely seeing that that big theater space took me back, and and I was very very jealous of of everyone who's who's there. But uh, kudos to them for finding such a cool venue, and I hope people just have a such a fun time this weekend. Now I'm very excited about this because the first time in my new life I'll be able to go a bit off the rails theater let's talk theater I love a little theater what is the uh what is your favorite production that you've been a part of 
Oh man, um, I don't know. So I think uh, so I did mostly performing towards the end of my time in theater because um, I did I did quit once I like uh, you know turned eighteen nineteen and kind of started to do other adult things. Not to say you can't enjoy it as an adult, but that's kind of the path I took. Um, I I was able to um, direct a production of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, which is a, a wonderful little musical, um, and I just absolutely love that. I think I had such a such a star-studded cast based on our local community theater scene, um, and they were all just they just they just owned their roles, and I think it came together so well. And I have a lot of a lot of pride for that. So probably that I didn't perform in it, but. Uh, um, that's the one I liked. Probably the the role I enjoyed the most was I got to play um, Seymour in a production of of uh, Little Shop of Horrors. And that was kind of a, a, a dream role of mine. So All right, that was cool. excellent, excellent. That yeah. is uh, that is that is a good one. Are you? Do you have? Uh, do you have like a, a Broadway playlist uh, in the car, like right now, ready to go? No, no playlist. There's yeah. a few musicals that I go back to. I, I, I kind of fell off a cliff in terms of my interaction with that mm-hmm. whole scene. Uh, in recent years, I think some I've gotten a, a real nostalgia kick out of um, putting on some of these musicals I really love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even through like the time I wasn't listening a lot, there's still a few musicals that I think are just are so good. Uh, and so I continue to kind of put them on and, and have a lot of fun listening to them. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Uh, I'm a I'm a rent guy myself oh rent okay that's great yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, never got to perform in that one and that's what i would have loved to do uh so there's um um tick tick boom are you familiar yes yes i am yep i I also co-directed a production of that and uh that is it's kind of like rent but in my opinion maybe even like uh jonathan larson's best thing even better than rent maybe uh i think it's so good and the actual the recent movie production that they made is also quite good surprisingly with, uh, with andrew garfield so good, uh, yeah. I know it yeah. well. Um, yeah. All right. So did you ever perform? Or, I did not. Or... I'm just simply a fan. Okay. I pro- uh, okay. you know, a life full of regret of not not <laughs> not not performing, but uh, always yeah, yeah. always been a fan. Um, so I and uh, friend a uh, friend of the channel, uh, Ethan Van Sant, is uh, is a fan himself. So we've had uh, a, a conversation or two. Uh, I got to uh, bond with him over that next time I see him. Yeah, absolutely. He's a he's a show tunes guy. That's like his uh, his his jam. Nice. Um, all right, all right. Back on to the rails yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let's let's get a little controversial. Um, okay. There's been recent discourse on the state of the game when it comes to local LGS level. LSS and Flesh and Blood are certainly on the uptick by most accounts, but do you see a potential problem at the base level for LGS's carrying product and holding armories? So, I again, I, I am, like, not a source of knowledge. I, I'm not going to give you some sort of take that is going to totally, like, um, I don't know, be a... Uh, I'm not going to come at it from, like, an economic standpoint or, or anything like that. I need you to scorch I can, some earth I can only I can only say how I feel, which is that, you know, the discourse surrounding it, it's unclear to me how um, impactful just, like, talking about these things really is. Mm-hmm. Um... In my mind, if you want to do something about it, um, you gotta you gotta make it out to your LGSs. I know I've been really bad about that ever since I started taking it more competitively, and also started um, you know getting busy with work and 
um, picking up some other hobbies. Uh, it's been really hard for me to like find the time to make it out. And it's something I do want to kind of improve um, on in the future because it does matter. Um, there are some awesome people cultivating um, some amazing scenes. I know whenever I talk to Dagan, uh, he always talks about how he's sort of just making it out to like three armories a week because he just wants to keep that going, keep the excitement around the game going. Uh, Michael Lau, um, who I mentioned earlier, one of the founding members of Team Ascent, he, he's done so much for the Colorado community, uh, and there's a lot that have, but he stands out as just constantly there at the armory. It's just like improving the players. Um, and so, yeah, you know, we can talk about it all we want. At the end of the day, um, what's really going to matter is if these um, players that are so passionate that they're taking this game seriously to the level of, of being competitive in it, go to these armories, teach a lot of people how to improve, and have a lot of fun. Um, in terms of, um, in terms of kind of like what I see, Colorado scene, definitely thriving. Um, this last ProQuest season, higher numbers than any other ProQuest season. Um, and when I do make it out to an armory, I'm always surprised with how many new faces are there. A lot of new people, um, still in the numbers of like 10 to 20 people uh, at armories. We have them like every day of the week. So at least for my scene, which I can only speak to, um, still thriving, still great. Um, and I, I think just kind of broadly speaking, I just, you know, I, I don't want to be like a doomsayer um, because at the end of the day, it is it is really hard for a game like this to kind of um, compete with some of these titans of the of the industry right now. Um, I think Fad has a better chance than any game I've ever seen. Um, but right now, I'm just loving it so much. I'm just riding this wave, right? And this, if this wave subsides, there's always going to be so many other amazing games. And the friends uh, that I make along this whole way are going to last and play other games with me. Um, but if this wave kind of sort of continues to just kind of grow in strength, then that's going to be all the better. Um, but I'm, I'm just sort of trying to sit here, enjoy it, uh, try to do my part to kind of be a part of the community, try to do more of that in 2023. Uh, and I, I recommend other people do the same. Just make it out to the armory. Like, it, it matters a lot to these players, especially if you're like a name in the game. If you make it out to the armory, that like means the world. I am uh, uniquely terrible at making it uh, out to my uh, my armory, but uh, hashtag FabDad. What can yeah, I do? Do, do, do as I say, not as I do, because yeah. <laughs> I've been really bad at my attendance, but like, uh, it matters. Same, same. Um, all right. Um, are you ready for PvE to be released? Yes. Um, I really enjoyed Commander um, in, in Magic. Uh, when they did the... Um, What's what was it called? The brawl or what was it? Their their uh, their attempt at uh, at commander L LSS's kind of early attempt. Oh, oh uh, ultimate pit fight. Ultimate pit fight. Yeah, yeah. It's still it's still around. It's still around. Yeah, I I should I should have played a game. I felt like that was a little bit too much of trying to make it kind of feel kind of commander esque when mm -hmm. Fat needs to do its own thing. It really feels like this is it. It needs to happen soon. Yeah. That's the best answer I can give you for your previous question of like what's going to grow the scene. Mm -hmm. You gotta you gotta give a really good casual format because right now, yep, Flesh of Blood is a very 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 competitive game. Even at an armory level, it's very competitive, mm -hmm. and we gotta find an outlet for people who are who just really love the game because there's so many of them who just love the game but aren't trying to be competitive, and, and that's gonna be it. So yeah, very excited. Not even so much for myself. I'll definitely try it. I'm into it, but. Not even for me. I just I know it means so much to the community. It has it has such potential. Uh, yes. I am just I am just ready. I'm ready to 
I'm ready to grab a hero and put basic equipment down and fight some some evil doer and get to upgrade with like a le- piece of legendary equipment and feel like I I want it's something. gonna be awesome. It's gonna yeah. be. Uh, I am I am also ready for it. All right. Um, we are going to just kind of throw some things at you here as we round the bases to home. Uh, what is your career highlight so far? Oh, man. Um, I would say, I mean, it's hard not to just say top 80 nationals. That was such mm-hmm. a big thing for me. Um, the amount of relief relief that I had once I realized I was a lock was just crazy because I had I had so many close calls in, in Magic where I could have had like a my first big finish and just like always didn't quite get there. So that was a really big win for me and it kind of gave me the the momentum to continue um, feeling really really positive and motivated about the game. So definitely my highlight would be that one. Excellent. What is uh what is the what is your favorite match that you've played? in a competitive environment? Um, I think I'd have to say my semi-finals game against teammates and honestly my, my number one testing partner through all of 2022, uh, Chris Brummett. Um, this one takes just a little bit of backstory, which is that, and this was for Battle Hardened um, uh, Denver. Um, so I'm from Denver, so uh, or I live here, and um, actually the Friday before... Well, the two weeks before was kind of a rough time for me in my personal life. And then the Friday before the Saturday where we played, I got into a really serious car accident. Um, and oh, like, okay. went to, yeah, went, went to the, uh, to the, uh, urgent care. They, they said I had a concussion. Uh, they told me I really should not do anything that requires a lot of mental fatigue or that has a lot of mental fatigue. And I said, cool. And then the next day I went and played in the Battle Hardened. <laughs> you got in a serious car accident and dragged your ass into an urgent care? Yeah, yeah, of All course. Right. You got to get checked out. Got to make okay. sure. As opposed to like a hospital? A little more high quality of, uh, of treatment? There? Oh yeah, I I don't know. I, I I've only been pretty bad at taking care of myself. If I'm being right. completely honest right. with you, right. uh, right. as evidenced by the fact that I did decide to go and play in the battle hard the very next day yeah. when they advised me to do the opposite of that. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I that whole day was kind of a blur to be honest. Like, uh, I mean, it's probably why you walked into the urgent care. Yeah. Yeah, it could, could have been because I I, I <laughs> yeah had a concussion the day before and was still reeling from that. Um, but I did pretty well. I top ate it. I was able to. Um, I I uh, I blame on the concussion that I, I put um I put blue disable twice instead of disable and debilitate. So mm-hmm. I got an IP three penalty in my quarterfinals oh. match against Majin oh. Bay. Uh, but I came back and won without uh, with the IP3 penalty in my quarterfinals match. Very nice. Um, and then, uh, so the match that I'm kind of talking to, after all of that, and I'm just so fatigued at this point, I played Oldemir against Chris. Mm-hmm. And Chris, um, I, I don't know, if you, if you look at our record against each other, it's probably pretty close to 50-50. But I've definitely had his number in the Guardian Mirror for, for um, a long time. And he was just kind of desperate to get that Olden win against me. And, man, he played out of his mind. I think I played pretty out of my mind. It came down to um, the very last cards in the deck. And it actually came down to the fact that I had preserved one Earth Blue and he had ended up blocking with it. Uh, I, there was an end state where I knew he had one yellow pummel, and I had to overblock several times while also managing my deck size and trying to preserve this one earth blue. And they came down to a, 
a, a point where because um, we were both on on crown shield in the matchup not um, um, sledge and it came down to the point where he had uh, crown shield but no earth blue and then I had um, crown shield um, and one earth blue and I was able to sort of barely barely get over the edge here uh, and, and win the kind of fatigue battle in the end but that totally just like ruined my brain and I, I exhausted all of my mental resources and I was completely dead for my finals match and I played like an absolute fool but it doesn't matter because I had such an awesome game against my teammate and I really loved that excellent excellent uh, solid answer there um, I had others you you answered those uh, I think sufficiently throughout the interview so we're going to uh, jump to uh, the real low-hanging fruit here uh, favorite hero it's out it's honestly very close between between Lexi and Oldham uh, I love them both very much uh, Oldham's kind of my first love so I think I'd have to go with that but Lexi's yeah. kind of this new thing that I, I'm just continuing to fall in love with because the lines are so sweet um i i love every hero has its kind of its thing that it does and um uh lexi i kind of describe it as um arsenal weaving where sure. because you have these two arsenal slots and you can hold them for a long time while still doing your arrow game plan you can kind of like weave your arsenal into like a really cool power turn or like exhaust your arsenal um or like start to kind of refill it up over the course of turns it's just a lot of fun i think all right, all right. Oldham. Oldham's my answer. Sorry, Oldham. I'm giving pretty labored answers yeah. to a lot no. of these simple questions. <laughs> uh, it, hey, this is this is the platform I gave you. By all means, use it. Uh, favorite movie? Oh, The Princess Bride. Not close. Okay, all right. Solid answer. Solid answer. Yeah, it's take... not the best movie. It's not even close to the best movie, but it's my favorite. It's a good one. Uh, favorite non-Flesh What's and Blood What's your favorite game? movie? You're asking me all the questions. Yeah, What's I am the movie? interviewer. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but you tell me. What's your favorite movie? Uh, man, I've got I got a lot. Um, no, uh, that's not what a favorite is. A favorite no. is one movie. Man. Uh, uh, gun to my head. Uh, gun to my head, Rent, go, goes goes there. Just as okay, what it nice. is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in a very close second is SWAT. Uh, 2003 action thriller. Never seen it. Uh, starring... Uh, Sam Jackson, Colin Farrell, uh, LL Cool J, LA SWAT team. It's fantastic. Uh, Early Jeremy Renner. uh, Kind of mindless, but uh, super, super, super fun. I'll have to check it out at some point. All right. Favorite non-Flesh and Blood game? Uh, My answer is probably going to be a game that most people have never heard of, which is this old computer game called um, Heroes of Might and Magic 3. Ring any bells? It mean does. To you? It does. No? It okay. does. It does. I have old. not played it, but I I know okay. what it is. Yeah, it's it's like the most grindy, so much to learn, turn-based strategy nonsense game that there is. It's so good. the The graphics are terrible. Um, the game is unbalanced. Um, the there's so many problems with it, but I, I love that game to death, and and it's honestly quite popular, and it has a pretty competitive scene too. Um, okay. I, I never got into that, but I, I I'll always love going back to that game. So good. All right. Uh, closing question: What is something that you'd like people to know about yourself that they wouldn't know already? Hmm. Um. Uh, I can only assume you mean fab related. No, um, no, it is this. This is completely wide open. I'm pretty boring, so I'm gonna go with something fab related. Okay. Uh, right. <laughs> um, 
I I really like deck building in this game. I've always liked deck building in card games in general. Um, I when I first got into Fab, I was like, I looked at all the like the rules engine and like the card pools. I was like, wow, this is the most boring deck building game of all time. And then over the course of time, I've just had a complete 180 on that. And I think that it's one of the most interesting deck building games of all time, especially when it comes to like balancing your ratios um, and having really good game plans for uh, a certain matchup and feeling the tension of your 80 card uh, deck. Um, so uh, I guess what I'd like people to know is that um, I, I do love it. And I have honestly been pretty innovative with a lot of my deck lists. Um, if you look at my list from all these major events, they're not really stock uh, for the most part. Um, when I played Starvo in PT1, uh, I was doing some crazy things that I think may be a solid favorite into Prism, whereas other Starvos were really struggling in that matchup. Uh, I also uh, had a pretty deterministic, um, fatiguing chain strategy, and the mirrors 50-50 almost no matter what you do, so I really feel like I, I unlocked something with that list I ran. Um, uh, my Lexi list, pretty innovative. Um, all nine Winter's Bites was a, a huge new tool that no one was really trying, but gave you intense control over the game in a way that I know you would hate, but at a competitive would, level, it was, would it was quite that. successful. It was quite <laughs> successful at a competitive level. Um, and so, yeah, I guess just uh, I, I, I enjoy innovating. I enjoy trying new things. I think there's a lot of room to grow in deck building in this game, mm -hmm. and I encourage more people to do it. Excellent. All right. Uh, we got there. We 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 did we did, we did the thing. Uh, yeah. Now before we uh, we close out officially here, uh, this is your spot to uh, to plug your stuff. Where can we find you on social media? And if you have any other uh, uh, projects, uh, by all means, I know you have more guest spots coming up uh, in other pods. You know, let the let the world know where we can find you uh, now and in the future. Yeah, sure. So um, my uh, my Twitter handle is tealwaterfab. Um, I also recommend that you follow Ascent Gaming LLC. That's our um, kind of flagship uh, team um, uh, team uh, Twitter accounts. There you go. Mm -hmm. uh, Minmax Games as well. I would suggest you give them a follow. Um, they're an awesome sponsor and a great um, great for our community. So definitely give them all a follow. Uh, follow all the people who are on my team because they're all very, very smart human beings. Um, yeah, I'll be posting on my Twitter um, for any upcoming um, podcasts. And I just wanted to say thank you again, uh, Patrick, for uh, letting me on here, letting me um, offend you with some of my my preferences and uh, talk a little bit theater, talk a little bit of fab. And I, I had a great time. I hope you did too. I did. It has been a blast and a half. And thank you very much for coming on here. Uh, all right. As for myself in the in the action point, uh, I got a few guest appearances coming up here. Uh, I am going to be uh, recording uh, tomorrow night. Uh, I am getting on with Az from Go Again Gaming, uh, Tommy Fresh from Fresh and Buds, and uh, Capolo uh, to do my first ever Ultimate Pit Fight game. Uh, Ooh, fun. so yeah. uh we're recording that tomorrow night i don't know when that'll that'll come up but that is uh that's gonna be uh, the production level is gonna be up i know that i have to i have to record from different angles i gotta do i gotta do some stuff but uh, uh i am i'm set up for it i'm excited to see how it goes i'm running dorinthia uh i am wavering on my build uh part of me wants to run you know, the life of the parties and the crazy brews just to kind of, you know, have fun with UPF. But the other part of me is like, I have to, 
I want to optimize. I want to be. I want to be the controlling figure for as long as I can and and see what I can do yeah. and outvalue. But I I honestly don't know how it's going to go. But we'll see. You know how what they're going to do. Going to be really competitive, or are they going to be a little bit more kind of uh, fun with it? Well, as is uh, like the anti-competitive guy, right? So he's he's on Kasai. I've played his Kasai list, so it's not like you can't uh, like you can't help but to be good, you know, yeah. on it. And uh, so he's on Kasai. I believe Capolo is on Ty Tipanis. He's on the judge, uh, the the adjudicator uh, hero there. And uh, Tommy is on Yoji. Nice. Uh, so I'm. I you know. I don't know what to what to expect from from all of those. Yoji kind of scares me just because guardians do guardian things. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, you know, it's one of those things. I'm 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 wondering how many shunts should I pack. Uh, yeah. and sacrifice some of the other stuff there but uh we got that going on uh i will also be recording an episode as a guest on uh the big boss book club which is a uk-based uh podcast that talks flesh and blood and more and uh we are recording i believe saturday night for that one and that'll be out in the near future as well um all right, uh, you are watching slash listening to The Action Point. The Action Point theme was written, produced, and performed by Griff. You can find me on YouTube at Off the Rails TCG. Be sure to head over there and like, subscribe, and click the bell notification to see more content coming out all the time. Uh, you can find us on Twitter as well, also at Off the Rails TCG, and you can find myself at Pat Smash Good. And that is going to do it for The Action Point today. Uh, again, Easton, thanks for tuning in thanks everybody for watching slash listening um yeah and that'll do it for us peace it's the action point no relaxing straight from off the rails with your host mr patrick show we attack then defend and react calculate the damage then resolve in a snap facts with the searing ember blade leave no witnesses i just close the combat chain and we winning this listen this the blaze we ain't going scar for scar and i'm feeling like a hero we ain't going call for card it's the action point no relax